What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam Sadboy Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone. Two Atlanta natives recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wacky-ass hijinks, depression, and analysis. Adam, we already know how it's going, but I'm contractually obligated to ask you, how is it going, sir? Well, <laughs> you bringing uh, depression back into our um, little opening there actually made me smile. After, what, a couple weeks ago, we were happy or enthusiasm and all that. We're back to our base level now, Graham. This is the show that I didn't want to have yet, but, you know, 50% of me thought that we would be having. And here we are, Graham, another Braves playoff exit. Yep. At least it happened after a run. We won two playoff rounds. I mean, Last time you could say that was damn 1999, the last time we won two playoff rounds. So I guess that's something to hold on to. But uh, just to let the users know why it's taken so long to get this episode out, it was like uh, trying to get a five-year-old to brush his teeth trying to get you on this show, Adam. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, so the last pitch of Game 7, when we went down easily... In the seventh inning, it went down like this for me, where I that whole game, I was a nutcase. I was like watching from my front porch through the window just because I couldn't handle the pressure. And then eventually I was I switched to listening on the radio in my backyard, like in the little corner where those air conditioning units are, just because multimedia. I I just couldn't handle it. And then finally the ninth inning comes, we obviously lose, and I get in a little spat with Veronica because I had, like, when once we had two outs, I had the remote just, like, pointed towards the TV, and she wanted to watch it, and, I mean, I was going to sh- shut it off once we lost, and that, I mean, it ended up being a moot point, but I was very upset, went upstairs, went into, like, a 36-hour depression, played disc golf by myself on Monday there's no way I was talking about it. Monday, Tuesday, I still felt just like gloom and sadness, but started to feel a little bit better. Wednesday, we were going to do it, but I decided there's no way at this point, due to the sadness that Atlanta professional sports had brought me, there was no way I was going to prioritize Atlanta professional sports over playing disc golf on a beautiful day and actually getting some enjoyment out of life again. So we had to push it one more day. And then here we are, woke up feeling back to, uh, you know, like myself. And I feel like I'm ready now to discuss this without just being a complete train wreck. And I can actually talk versus just sitting in silence. So I feel like it was necessary to take... A few mental health days, Graham. I think I'm a lot of those every now and then. No, it's under. Oh, sure, it's understandable. I was, I was like you on Sunday night and Monday, in particular. Monday, I was the most depressed I've been. I don't even know. Like it was, it was devastating. Like it made the Cardinal series last year look like nothing. Like that ten inning game or whatever didn't matter. It's like we were one game away from going the World Series, and that just just kept percolating in my mind over and over again and how 
you know, we had this opportunity, even though the Dodgers are an all-world team as we knew coming in, it was still like we had them on the ropes and we couldn't finish them, which I guess brings me to the first talking point, Adam. There's been discord on both sides of this argument in the sense that one side views it as, you know, still a great accomplishment. We were up against the best team in baseball, nothing to hang our heads about, blah, blah, blah. It was, it was tough. You know, we, we played them hard, etc. Then there's the other side where, you know, we were up three to one, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of whatever you think about where the bullpen was, the pitching staff, the offense fading, etc. We were up three to one, the best of seven series for an opportunity to go to the World Series. And we did not complete the mission. We failed. We lost three games in a row and lost in seven games. Which side of the fence do you sit on? You know what, Graham? I don't know right now. I think because I've just been suppressing all of my feelings. So I think we're going to have to. Now's the time to get it well, out. How does that make I you think feel I'm, I'm going to form more of opinions as we go along. But here, here's my initial thought. I don't. I honestly don't feel like we blew anything. Like, obviously we did. We were up through one. We were leading in game seven as well. We had opportunities, but I think just being the underdogs that we were, losing so many starting pitchers, I just love that team as well. And no part of me is, like, pointing to a specific moment. Granted, there were probably, like, four or five huge moments that happened in the series, either, you know, are obviously obvious base running mistakes. Mookie bets is ridiculous defense and just a couple of missed opportunities, but there's no like Brooks Conrad moment for me here. There's no granted. We did give up an 11 run inning, but it's not the same as a uh, faulty last year. And it, it feels like uh, I can't call it an accomplishment. I mean, I get that we did go farther, but I'm not mad. I'm not mad. I'm just sad, Graham. I'm just sad. Like I, I, I don't. I yeah, don't. I, I think rage. Yeah. I don't believe in the Atlanta sports curse. I think that's ridiculous at this point. Like it just happened. Like it just happened. We lost to a good team. They had their big guys step up in the big moments. Like if Ronald Acuna is half of Ronald, fifty percent of Ronald Acuna, we're going to win that series. Brass tacks. Yeah, and there's so many things you could you could point at with Ronald Acuna uh, not being as effective as he was. I think he only got four hits in the entire series, got him base I think seven or eight times. But you know they kept showing the stat about our record, you know, during the season with him you know, getting on base and are getting hits and our record when he doesn't do well. And it's like the offense is predicated on him making an impact. And he was not able to do that. I mean, granted, he did have his moments. He had a big double in game one. He scored the first run in game seven. He had a couple, and he had a, a big double in game six to knock in Marcakis. But it's like he didn't have the impact he wanted. Like Freddie, those first two games were all him and Ozzy. Ozzy had a great series. Ozuna obviously had a great series. Uh, but, you know, everybody faded down the stretch, which was un- except for Dansby. Dansby was, was was hot, but our offense really faded. The bullpen faded. Everybody just kind of, like, ran out of gas after that game, that improbable 
game five where Bryce Wilson beats Clayton Kershaw, which was just unbelievable. But I think that also brings up a point that I'm still mad at with Anthopoulos about in the sense of signing Cole Hamels in the offseason and Felix Hernandez, thinking that these guys were actually going to make an impact on the team. And granted, granted, Ian Anderson and Bryce Wilson stepped up, but wouldn't you feel a hell of a lot better if he had signed a serviceable pitcher that was actually healthy that could come in there and pitch as opposed to, I don't know, starting mentor in, in game whatever it was, game five, I guess, where he certainly pitched his ass off, but I would love to have had that uh, you know, later in the ballgame. And then Mentor was obviously gassed in game seven. So it's just like like not having that starting pitching depth really showed itself this series to me. Even though our starting pitching wasn't terrible other than Kyle Wright, you would have liked to have, I think, not having that starting pitching depth hurt the bullpen by the end of the series. Well, also the seven games in seven days. Like, that's... that That's also that's brutal. That's tough. Yes. I mean, and I, I think that had... I mean, it was... It was but the Dodgers were able to yeah, get around Yeah, but that. they were shaky as well. Like, I mean, I guess they – I don't know. I mean, like, they – their starters weren't phenomenal. They just have more depth as a team. Yeah, I mean, they they were they have more, like, starter-like guys that were in their bullpen even. But – Sure, like sure. I, I, but, sure. like, we – you know, we definitely could have blown – we could have blown game seven out, you know, with, with May looking like shit. And we did score a run, don't get me wrong, which was great. But May looked like shit. Gonson looked like shit. We were only able to score yeah. two runs no, off of it. No, missed opportunities. Like, I, I, that was the opportunity I really don't to blow think, the like, game out. Brass tacks, we were up 3-1. I, I, I'm not putting this on any offseason shit. Like, we got an unbelievable performance out of Bryce Wilson that there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, but I, I, that's an anomaly. That's an anomaly to me. That, that's not a yeah, forecast. But, but no guy we that, would have signed a, was going to pitch a, that good. In a game four of the NLCS. Who knows? Who knows? But once you say, going into it, the mathematical, if you break it down with math, a guy with more of a track record who is a better pitcher than Bryce Wilson would, would nine times out of ten have a better performance than Bryce Wilson in that scenario. Can't automatically say that, but the math would probably tell us that, yes. I mean, I think that Bryce Wilson p- performance was unbelievable. It was astonishing. It was incredible. But Bryce Wilson this year had no reason to yeah, start but, a game four. But brass year. tacks in the moment he got it done, so we could have like we had our opportunities to make it. He did, but we did we did not we did not put ourselves in a position to succeed this year from a starting. Yeah, but it, at the end of the at the end of the day, we it got, didn't matter. We, we got like it it didn't matter. But but it it mattered it mattered by the end of the series I think because it killed the bullpen. Bullpen had to work a lot of innings because guys couldn't go that deep in the game. Ian Anderson was a big reason for that game two and game seven only went i think four innings i just think it comes i mean if if we're gonna like talk about why did we lose this series we're talking about runners left on base and terrible base running errors yes that cost us big innings that's why we lost this series and mookie betts's absurd defense if if mookie betts doesn't make one of those plays we could potentially win the series i mean yeah it doesn't just come down to that i'm just saying from the get-go, we didn't put ourselves in a great position to win the series, even though we over, I think we overachieved like crazy to do what we did. Especially from a pitching, especially Bryce Wilson. I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, that was just phenomenal. But I still think if, you, if Anthopolis had done a better job with the staff, we wouldn't be in that position. However, you can't take away what he did overall as an executive this year 
the Darno signing and the Ozuna signing were absolutely critical in, in making this run. And we would not have gotten here without him. I just think there are a couple of, and you can't be perfect, obviously, but I just think there are a couple of things you could play hindsight is 2020 on. It's just, I'm grasping for rationalization in an irrational world. Mookie Betts, as great of a player as he is, you know, robbing Freddie Freeman, robbing Ozuna, robbing Dansby. It's just like, son of a bitch. If he just one of those plays, man, particularly the Dansby catch. If he misses that, misplays that, we could score two runs, yeah, it, two more runs at any. We probably win the damn series. I don't even remember what was that game seven. I don't like he had so many scattered throughout. He had he had he robbed Freddie in that game was the seven home run, yeah, of a home that. run. He robbed he robbed Ozuna in either game I think game six, and then game five that's he robbed Stansby. Yeah, Ozuna that stupid broke, shoe you know, shoe string catch that Fox couldn't stop talking about. Yeah, if he just misses one of those fucking catches, it, it could be a very very different conversation we're having right now oh man we would have had like i want like both you and i were trying our best we watched what game at your house we what was that friday saturday we watched yeah we watched game five and six at my house yeah but so game five and six obviously we had a chance to go to the world series after that game and dude i i was so close i didn't do it i was so close to just like putting a bottle of champagne in my cooler going over there. I just so badly wanted that moment with you. Like I wanted to celebrate. Oh yeah. We would have, we would have broken quarantine. We might've made it out. You never know. I mean, I was even thinking that I was like, if I go to hug Graham and he runs away for me because of quarantine, I'm not going to let that happen. (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a shit. I wanted that moment so bad and like it seemed like we were just in the position to make it happen and like i pictured like if we had won friday night i pictured a a saturday afternoon podcast smoking cigars just having the time of our lives talking about this instead of me instead of me dodging for four days not wanting to do this show (laughs) Um, yeah i think what was yeah yeah no i i I, I too really wanted, especially because we had like people, everybody's having a good time, especially game five when Minter just went out there and was just dominant seven strikeouts and in three innings. It was just unbelievable. We got what a two, two nothing lead. Yep. You're feeling pretty just got good. away from us. And then it's like both game five and game seven mirrored each other in the sense that, you know, we had the early advantage and then stupid ass base running decisions. What is a Ozuna breaking early is inexcusable. And Dansby running on contact with no outs when a ball is hit to third base is inexcusable. I, I do not, and and, and Austin yeah, Riley, yeah, really Austin Riley just botching more. it. But I do not get that. I do not get that decision by Ozuna. Like, what is he yeah, doing he, there? He, he flubbed it. So I think Dansby thought that ball was hit to short, probably because they they were. I mean, they had the middle infielders back. They were going to concede a run. So I'm guessing that's what he was thinking, but that was just that was heartbreaking, man. That that was yeah, tough. I, he was looking behind him the whole time, though. I, you watch it in the slow motion replay. He's looking behind him, and he's just and he's not running hard. And I was like, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" From that moment, Adam, like you, I was a basket case that whole game. Very anxious. I was also hungover as fuck. I felt sick. Thought I was dying of COVID, and then I was just anxiety ridden this whole game. <laughs> Once that play happened, 
I resigned myself. I said, we're going to lose. That was like, we just can't recover from shit when we do. It feels like when we do something stupid in this series, like the Azuna play and then that play, we can't recover. So I resigned myself to the fact that we were probably going to lose, even though I still watched every pitch with bated breath. But I wasn't as nervous. I like accepted. I was like, all right, there's our fuck up moment. I fuck me. You know, even though we were still winning at that point, that three to two, I was like, it's not, it doesn't matter. These Dodgers put together such incredible at bats. They fell off every pitch. They are so hard to get out, so much more disciplined than we are, that they're just going to find a way to win. And they hit two solo home runs and they do. That, yeah, that, that is what was tough about them. It's like they, they just don't have easy outs. And your boy Chris Taylor, who you were calling shitty the entire time. Yeah, he, he yeah. might have been a thorn in our side. Yeah, for and sure. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, could have been's. What have you? Is at the end of the day we yeah. didn't get the job done. Uh, I, I agree. I think we this series and this team probably made a lot of Braves fans. I think a lot of people were watching Braves games and realizing how fun this core is. That go and everyone recognizes we have something special. Like to forward looking. I mean, it's ridiculous to think Soroka, Freed, Anderson, Wright. Now we throw Bryce Wilson in there, like Bryce Wilson, like. Well, I'm I'm still not sold on Bryce. I'm not sold on well, Bryce Wilson fine, at all. But like, one 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 start one start even in the huge moment is not a great some, pitcher make. He, like you got to show me more than that. Career five seven ERA coming in. Well, we've had, a two we've, whip. we've had like, we've that, had this conversation a million times. Graham. It takes young pitchers time to figure things out and. I understand. I'm just saying I'm not a believer in him. I believe in Kyle Wright more than I believe in Bryce Wilson at this point in time. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not. That's all. I'm not a. I'm not saying books closed on him. I'm just not going to anoint him a you know a, a automatic uh, automatically a spot in the rotation. Yeah, I'm not crowning his ass. I'm not doing that. I'm not crowning him. Okay, sound like I'm you're crowning his ass. The way he pitched, you could see why we keep him around. Like. That took oh, yeah. absolute balls, yeah. and he had it rocking. And but he, that's our number five. I'm talking about like he just the losing Soroka was just that was we thought it was a season yeah. at the time we could have salvaged it. But the, at the end of the day, you throw Mike Soroka into the mix in that NLCS, we're probably winning it. Kyle Wright ain't pitching. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Ian Anderson pitching game three or Bryce I Wilson's mean, not come pitching on, at that point. like. But it happened. Everyone plays with injuries. But the the future yeah. is still bright. And for sure. And I think it's absolutely critical, regardless of the DH being around or not, to re-sign Ozuna. His offense is too good. And you got to open the checkbook up for him. Like, I really hope Liberty Media isn't fucking cheap as shit and won't let AA sign him. Because you lose him... I mean, it can Alex Anthopoulos really go three years in a row signing a guy who had an underperforming season to then perform the next year at MVP level on a one-year contract? He could. He has a track record of doing it. But I would rather take the known quantity and what Ozuna did this year and get his ass here long-term, especially because he's still not 30. So that would be huge, and I think that needs to be number one priority in the offseason. And Anthopoulos did say that he was going to try and do it. Um. But I my my hopes are, are, you know, are not very high there because we're not willing to shell out the big bucks for these free agents. 
So I, I, I think even if he leaves, though, the, I agree, the future is bright. But I think getting Ozuna to stay with this core is of critical importance. The Nationals will be back next year. The division will be tough again. Um, even if we've won three in all these titles in a row, who gives a shit? It's like every year's new year. We've got to have. And that's another reason why Freddie Freeman won MVP this year, is having Marcelo Zuna hit behind him. So, not to take anything away from Freddie, but Freddie himself has said this, like having Donaldson, having Ozuna, has been critical to his success. And career-defining years, both last year and this year for him. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be rough, Graham, because we got Ozuna. That's a big question mark. I don't know if you saw his, like, Instagram post or whatever. That looked like a goodbye letter to the city right. of Atlanta. It's, yeah, that was definitely a goodbye. Um, yeah. Which I, you never know which way it's going to go. I, I do think I heard today that it's not a guarantee that we're going to have the DH in the National League, which is a bit of a game changer. But also, Ozuna, because of that, he, he might not be able to get the money he thinks he can. And especially with COVID and so many teams losing money this year, it's going to be. It's going to be a different free thing. agent market, but we also got like Melanson's a free agent now. You would think that's a guy you want to bring back. I think I can't remember. It, yeah. Isn't Green or Martin a free agent as well? No, we're, they're. I think Martin. They signed him to an extension this year, I think, and then I know I think Green's still in arbitration, so I think he's still in intern, under contract. Do we have an intern that can check this for us while we're recording or? Uh, n- okay, not so on we're, staff. We're, no. we're just gonna not on call. Leave that up in the air. You users can look that up yourself. But I'm pretty sure we've got another bullpen piece that's up in the air. But yeah, potentially. So it's like, and that's the frustrating part about right now is that I think we would just beat the shit out of the Rays. I mean, the Rays are good, but I mean, you beat the Dodgers. There's no stopping you. That's like the runaway freight train. Yeah, that's you that's know? what sucks. It's like, I mean. Be. I'm not watching the World Series. I, I will not watch an inning of it. I, I won't watch I, I have watched a pitch. I was slightly curious, and I, I was like, oh, this will be good to get me out of my depression. It didn't help. But I obviously – I mean, we, we obviously want the Rays to win because Rays are obviously an easier team to like than the Dodgers. Dodgers beat us. You feel a little better if, like, the Dodgers get stomped and be like, oh, maybe we would have lost in the World Series anyways and just been even more heartbroken. But to get that close to beating the best team. Hey, but Graham, 2020 is an asterisk season, right? Who gives a shit who wins? It's not a real championship, right? It's not a real championship. That's what we said. I've been saying that all year. I've been saying the season doesn't matter. Like, it's kind of just spring training for 2021. 2020, who cares? (laughs) It felt felt pretty real. (laughs) I, I I definitely cared by the, yeah, it felt very real by the end of it and i think you know considering all the protocols and all the other stuff everybody had to go through you know i still think you can put this championship up with others even though there's still a part of me that would say that whoever wins this year did not go through even though they went through rigors they did not go through the normal rigors of 162 game schedule and having to play more teams that could have certainly impacted um their standing by the end of the season so whatever. I mean, you can get in that debate to the cows come home. The point is that there's a season. It is happening. It is real, regardless of what you think of it. In the record books, it will say either the Dodgers are racing. And, and we would have liked to win it. Um, yes, we would, we would have liked to win it. So I'm trying to think of – oh, let's talk about Christian yeah, Pache for a second. That's where I was going to go too. 
So Adam Duvall is a guy we haven't talked about at all. Pops his oblique in game one. He's down one and two to Bueller. Christian Pache comes in and somehow coaxes a walk. He might have had the best approach at the plate of any Brave. Wasn't up there free hacking, worked the count, drew a number of walks, had a couple of really big hits to drive in runs. Very impressed with him, and it throws absolute shade on whoever in the organization made the decision not to play him over Ender for most of the season. Yeah, I think it's pretty clear that, I mean, A, I mean, Christian impressed a lot of people that series with his plate discipline because we always hear about his bat. I was like, I mean, it looks good enough. It looks a lot better than Ender. And that was clearly a not playing him and then bringing him into the playoffs is clearly just a play to, you know, get more years of control over him. But, 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 but Adam, they, they brought him up and his service time started. So that's a relevant talking point. Not according to some people that know more about this than me and you. Oh, Oh hell no! He started. But he, he, he played only this played year. like two games. He, he played like two games under, and then went, went back. Doesn't matter. The service the, the service time starts. We'll have to have the intern look into that one as well. No, no, it does. It does. So there's no once you come up, your service time goes. It's not like it's a free pass for a team. That's the agreement. So I, I do not. Same thing with goddamn Robbie Erlin, and who's that other loser that we signed this year? Uh, God, I, so bad I can't remember. Tommy Malone. It's like you got so, it was, and then we saw what Kyle Wright did most of the season when he was given a chance. What Bryce Wilson did in game. I would have loved to just thrown them out there, you know. Like they, like Malone and Erlen were in god fairness, awful. The, like and they Malone, have no future. Yeah, here. we thought Malone could be an inning eater. Like I mean, he was better with Baltimore than he ever was with us, but. I mean, he lasted, what, like three starts? Yeah, yeah he was pathetic. So it's just, I, I do not understand why we weren't able to throw our, our young guys out there earlier. That might might have helped once we got to the playoffs, particularly with, with Wright. He looked like a, someone had shot his sister in front of him in game three. Just totally the moment was a little too big for him, I think. Um, but I still don't make, put that... I still don't think Game 3 was like a pivotal moment or anything. I know everybody was freaking out about the momentum, but we came out and beat the shit out yeah, of the Dodgers the next night, no. so I don't think that really mattered. I think it was just every game Every game had a different story to it, and it was a great series, objectively, if you're talking about just being a baseball fan. It was so much fun. The Aussie home runs in the ninth inning, Mark Melanson catching the balls, the unbelievable at-bats by the Dodgers. Austin Riley's home run in Game 1. Uh, you know, Mookie Bet Austin Riley's home run in Game 1, the 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 never-say-die attitude of Dodgers coming back. I mean, if you were just a baseball fan watching this, this was an amazing series. For us, it was like Heart Attack City every night. It probably took five years off our lifespan, just not more. <laughs> we were, we, but Talking about seven seven games in a row, like, dude, that was rough on me. Like, that was just every night to have that same routine of get up, go to work, come home, try to, like, do a little exercise or something, and then next thing you know, you're the biggest game of your life, and you're up till 1230, and then you do it again yeah. seven days in a row. I needed off days. I can't imagine how the bullpen felt. Yeah, for sure, and I definitely think this also killed Travis Darno. He was a mere shell of himself, and uh, by the end of the yeah, series, I can't remember which game it was, but it, 
one of the games where our offense just looked anemic and I was like, okay, I could see giving Tyler Flowers a start the next day, switching it up, and and they obviously didn't. But, yeah, Darno, um, that also hurt. I mean, not having him or Acuna be in the same force they were even against the Marlins and Reds, that that hurt because they obviously come up in a lot of big-time scoring situations. Yeah, yeah the, the Duvall think- injury, like, also, I mean, that just completely changed our lineup. Like, I understand Duvall wasn't great in the playoffs before that, but, like, still just having that power bat down there in the seven hole – it changed everything, and not to mention our depth from there where you got my boy, Kung Fu Panda, playing third to end game one. That was oh, the, yeah, playing in, in game one. That was hilarious. I, 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 I literally almost shit myself when the ball was hit to him in game one. I was like, oh, my God. It was beyond it. ridiculous. No you got him. You got freaking Culberson getting his first Culberson. at-bats in like two months. All of a sudden, Johan Camargo's back up, who actually looked decent and arguably could have been a better choice to start third in Game Seven than Austin Riley. But it, it was just—it was just a lot, a lot to take in, a lot to handle. Yeah, I, I really thought after Game Four that Riley should have, or that Pache should have been hitting seventh because he was just giving you so many better at bats. I mean, Riley did have the big hit in Game Seven, but it's like he his his. Our plate approach, our plate discipline just sucked as the series went on. It really did. I was really getting sick of guys just flailing up pitches and not, you know, really trying to work the. It didn't feel like we were trying to work the pitcher, with the exception of when Dustin May couldn't throw a strike in Game Seven. But that was pretty obvious what you should do there. Uh, Acuna, even though I know he was hurt, his swing was so yeah. big, and it's like why? You know, we saw him in Game Two against Castillo get three hits by shortening up his swing. Why didn't he shorten up his swing? There's just so many questions I have in terms of these little these little things that maybe if it had been adjusted could have swung the series. And it's just that's how close of a series it was. That's how good of a series it was where it's literally one thing that might have happened or one thing that did happen could have gone that could have gone the other way, could have changed the outcome in the sense that, you know, if Acuna could have just shortened up his, his approach, if he had been able to take more pitches. I don't know. It's just it's just you 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 mind boggles sometimes at the various outcomes that could have, could have happened. It, I mean, it's like a, ge- a seven-game series comes down to just a couple moments, a couple plays at the end of the day. And, yeah, you know, the Dodgers the Dodgers have been building to this for a while, and I do think Mookie Betts is just that player to put them over the top. I think if the Dodgers do not win this series against the Rays, they are an abject failure as an organization just because their payroll is so deep. They have so many great players. And, I mean, they are the peskiest, filthiest lineup I've watched in some time. There is no easy out in that lineup. Every guy battles like crazy. There was only one at-bat in Game 7 where it was easy. It was just like, I think Corey Seager's second at-bat, he ground out to second on an, on the first pitch. That was it. Every other at-bat was a heart attack. And we did <laughs> not have a clean inning. I think the last clean inning we had in that series was sometime in, like, the third inning of Game 5. And they had a guy on base every single inning after that. It was it was insane. That's why I, that's why I just couldn't watch anyway. Like it was, I would watch our offense, and then I'd have to leave the inside of the house and find another way of following the game. It was just way too much for my Atlanta sports heart to handle, and it's because they put up it amazing really bets. Yeah, like, it really is impossible to watch them when we pitched. 
my blood pressure was through the roof. Like, I, yeah, I agree. I just, it was very hard to just sit there and, and watch it. It was like, extremely difficult. I wasn't overwhelmed with their pitching at all. It kind of sucked that Kenley Jansen finally figured it out against us. But, like, we faced better starting pitching in the Reds than we did with the Dodgers for sure. But I guess just, they just had enough depth to get it done and guys stepped up at times. And uh, it it's, it's a bummer, Graham, because – Yep. I'll tell you what, though. Forward-looking, talking about the Dodgers getting bets and that could be the guy that puts them over the top. I don't know if Azuna's happening, but if he doesn't, I want Justin Turner on our team next year. And he's a free Justin agent. Turner is not a Mookie Betts-like player, but I would not argue with bringing him aboard. He is pesky as hell. Tons of postseason experience. Still a great player, even at age thirty-five. So, and a winner. Like he would. Granted, they haven't won a World yes, Series, a but a guy like that. Because look, I mean, I, I don't know about Austin Riley. Still, like I go back and forth on him. I think he's got Jerry's all the out poti- still. Yeah, exactly. I don't think anyone's given up on him. But defensively, he's he's a wizard. I will say he's really upped his D. But if we had had a, a Justin Turner s guy playing third base for us this series, we'd probably win as well. Yep. Even though Austin won us yep. a game, so I don't know, man. But so yeah, I, I, I think that that's a realistic like free agent veteran that we can sign. I would love to get him and Ozuna. How about that? Well, that'd be phenomenal. That would be nuts. I'll, then, I'll buy, then you I'll can buy, start I'll buy season nuts. tickets if we get. Yeah. If, we'll, we'll buy a season ticket package if that happens. All right, you heard it, Braves. I know you guys listen to this show. I know you're one of the many folks that tunes in each week to listen to two unprofessional, most pretty much illiterate Atlanta sports fans talk about sports. (laughs) It was a pretty good couple weeks for the podcast, though, huh? Oh, yeah, we're pumping out content. We're all very, this is the happiest I've been in October. You know, I was thinking about this. I was like, October is usually a very depressing month because. You know, the weather in Atlanta starts getting a little colder. Skies are overcast. Starting to get dark uh, early. Starting to get darker earlier. And, you know, usually playoff baseball happens and there's all these, like, montages and 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 shit on TV where you just see all these, like, the playoffs are coming. Or watch the NLCS with these two teams and, you know, who cares about the Braves? And I was like, man, I just wish we could go on a little run. Just a little, just give me a little run. And it was so nice to go on a little run, have a lot of playoff success, and be able to watch the shows afterwards, watch MLB Network and all the, you know, everybody else, and just listen, you know, just be live in the moment, man. Live in the moment with the team. And, you know, if you didn't love this team before, you, you love them now, even though the outcome's not what we wanted. Because it was a, it really was a, a great run, and I think I'm still on the side of we did not finish more so than it was a great run. But I can't deny that it was a great run, and we should like we should be happy with the run we went on, but we should also be upset and hold the team accountable for blowing this lead. Because no matter what, it was a blown lead. You can't get around that. It was a blown lead, and we got to do better. We gotta do better, and hopefully, we can build on that. And because we've won multiple playoff series, Brian Snitker 
has a free pass from me for a year. Even if we shit the bed next year, I would still bring him back because I can't really point to a lot of decisions he made that were shitty. Like, I don't think he really lost us a game. I don't know. The only one I could really point at maybe is Game 7 pitching Minter when he had just thrown, like, 47 pitches the day before. Or not the day before, but, the, the you know, not yesterday. So he comes in Game 7. But the last night he pitched was Game 5 where he threw 47 pitches, so he only had a day off. That's the only place where I'd say maybe you shouldn't have done that. But Will Smith did not look good in this postseason series. Uh, maybe you could throw Bryce Wilson out there, but once again, was that an anomaly? It's like Mentor looked great. You go with you know go with, the, with one of the guys that has 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 been outstanding for you. So I, I I get it. That's really like the only one where I was like maybe someone else would have been a better fit here. I don't know, but it, but it wasn't like he made a bunch of horrible decisions that cost us games. You know, the, or, the other point you know other- started started Dallas Keuchel twice over Mike Soroka like last year. Well, here's the other point I wanted to make about that I guess I should have made about 40 minutes ago about the starting pitching when you were putting this on. Well, you weren't putting it on Anthopolis, but saying it would have been nice to have another starting pitcher. At the end of the day, we had Max Fried starting game six and Ian Anderson starting game seven. That's what you want on full rest. And we didn't get it done. Yeah, but, you know, Ian Anderson was not up for the moment, I don't think, that that game. And it's a lot to put, a lot of pressure to put on a kid who's only made six starts. Like, you do not want going into the year Ian Anderson starting game seven of the NLCS, no matter how good he's been. Do we need and to address from, Do we need to address Hugo's statement here? I mean, yeah, we can, we can address it. I'm glad he started game seven for what we had, but it would have been nice to have had someone who has more experience, and someone who, frankly, has better stuff, which we could have gone out via trade or via free agency and signed someone who might have been able to win that game seven. I say Ian Anderson couldn't, but I think I think he was done. I think he was gassed. I think everybody was gassed by the end of that that series. So, so Hugo wanted us to start Ian Anderson on what would have been three days rest and game four days rest if it was game six. In game six, and push free to game seven, just because he thought Freed would do better in the moment. I mean, you could. I, that would just. I feel like though that's throwing away game six. If you do that, that's saying game six is irrelevant. Yeah, it's saying, and, like, I don't know why Freed, yeah. like, if, if you think he could get it done in seven, why can't he get it done in game six? And then you have Ian Anderson pitching there's game the, one of the World Series. Yeah, there's that too. So, I don't think that's a good, that was a good suggestion on, on his part. Although, I mean, Freed had a horrible first inning in game six, but he looked great, you know, every inning after that. God, that first inning, man. If that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Or are you limited to one run? As opposed to three, so he he, he hunkered but, down though, like we've been saying for he the did last two down. years. That guy's a bulldog. Yeah, he gave us a chance. Yeah, he gave us a chance to win for sure. Well, I think I'm kind of exhausted from the Braves talk. What do you? We haven't talked about the Falcons in a while, Adam. In Our, a meaningful sense. No, we haven't. And the Falcons is all we got right now, Bo. 
Yeah, which is kind of pathetic. So well, we haven't even talked about Dan Quinn being fired. <laughs> no, we haven't. And Thomas Dimitrov. Yeah. So that was big news a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov got fired. And good riddance, I say. Although I don't wish either one of them ill, personally. No, good men, but it obviously weird. Their, their time had come and gone, and Arthur yeah. waited too long, but thank God. He gave God them more he, than enough opportunities to save their jobs. Thank God he finally pulled the trigger, but, you know, we obviously looked pretty good in the first game of interim coach Raheem Morris against the Vikings, kicked ass. Every, every single phase of that team looked rejuvenated, Oh, and just guys, different. Like Matt Ryan and like they're living the up to their potential. Yeah, Matt Ryan looked like Patrick Mahomes on that pass to Julio Jones. That was uh, ridiculous. Where yeah. he was shuffling around and then was about to run and then stepped back and threw a little lob to Julio. Julio looked great. He looked healthy. Calvin Ridley looked good. The defense looked good. Um, it was Special bizarre. Team. It was like living in a special in a teams look good. timeline. We had more like 15 to 20 yard punt, re- punt returns than I'd ever seen. We recovered two onside kicks easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was no waiting around for the onside kick. Raheem Morris got these guys in shape, man. I, I don't know what the future holds for Raheem, but uh, so far, so good, compadre. And we could be living, Adam, in a very sick fantasy world, or a sick reality, I should say, where the Falcons could win their next three games. We play like Detroit the Broncos, and some other loser team I can't remember right now. But they're all they're three very winnable games that could get you back to four and five before the inevitable soul-crushing back half of the schedule where we have to play the Saints twice, Tampa Bay twice, and Kansas City once. So I'm, I'm, all, uh, I'm, all I'm looking in. forward I'm, to another I'm, seven and nine season, Adam. I'm all in for it now, Graham. I, I need some winning in my life. I don't want – when has a tank job ever worked in football? Uh, San Francisco – I mean, they sucked for they years, right? Jim- yeah, for like two or three years. And then they drafted well. And then they got Jimmy Garoppolo and Shanahan. And they got, I mean, they didn't win the Super Bowl, but they got there. Yeah. So it can I- certainly, when you are able to get a high impact player in the first few, three or so picks in the draft, you can change the fortunes of a franchise. Yeah, talk, you, talk to you the Jets. certainly can. You got to have the. I said you can. I don't say you will. You can. You have the ability to. <laughs> Talk to the Dolphins. The Jets, yes. They have bad front offices. Not to say that we have a great front office since Rich McKay is now our de facto GM, I guess. Yeah, we GM don't have a front office right now. <laughs> right. So, uh, but we will for the draft, for Christ's sake. If Rich McKay is making the picks, I better be blackout drunk during the draft next year. But. What I'm getting at is is that if you have the right front office in place, you can change the fortunes of a, a struggling franchise in the draft. Maybe not in one year, but in two years. I don't think we'll be in that position because I just feel like we're going to go seven and nine again. I feel like it's like unavo- our unavoidable destiny at this point. You think we're going to win seven games, huh? I think it's possible. Like I said, the next three are against very winnable opponents, and we can win, you know, probably three more games after that, even though the back half of the schedule is brutal as shit. 
so, I was reading. I was reading. Six about, and ten, seven and nine. Will be, well, that would be a mediocre record for a mediocre team for a mediocre franchise. What, what, what else can we say? I, I was reading um, about uh, our upcoming matchup with the Lions and what like Lions fans and like the coaches basically think of the Falcons and a lot of the fans call us the Lions of the South because I, I strongly disagree with that. At least no, we've won a playoff game since 1991 or whatever it was. But for the current teams, it's like there's a lot of like talent at the skill positions. Like there's some talent on the defense. They should be better, but they just underperform for whatever reason. I think it's a pretty decent oh, yeah. comparison. I guess, but I think that's a very generalist statement considering the last 20 years. Hell, I'll even say 30 years compared to the Lions' last 30 years. The Lions get their precious Thanksgiving game, day game. I think they've gone to the playoffs twice in Matt Stafford's era and lost both times. So yeah. the Lions fans can go fuck themselves on, on that comparison. Even though I, I get it, but to me that stretches beyond just where we're at now. So bugger off, Lions. We so, have a little pride left in Atlanta when it comes to the Falcons, considering our, our prior accomplishments, even if we haven't won a Super Bowl. I'm guessing there's a lot more people out there like me that are pushing more for the Falcons to win a few games here, just to have fun on Sunday again. Yes, that, after of course, the Bra- in the short I mean, term. After the Braves loss. If you had talked to me last week at this time, lose out, go 0-16, I want Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, whatever. But now I'm like, I, I, I need something. Like the Hawks aren't going to play till like January. I don't want to watch it. it, it, It's it's crazy to me about the Hawks how you know pregnancies will last longer than or no pregnancies will be shorter than when the Hawks play again. Yeah, Trey Young could have gotten pregnant and had a kid and be back out on the court by now. Yeah, it's just insane. Yeah, Yeah, I I understand that that impetus, Adam, to want to have like a winner, and I and like we said on our last show. You don't want to just sit there and watch a sock. I mean, it's it's horrible as a fan. It's horrible as a player. I'm horrible for the coaching staff and everyone in the organization down in the goddamn towel boy. But you look at the long term prospects of where we're at six and ten, seven and nine. Just don't get us to a very good position. You know, it's like there's no there's no hope this year to win anything of note. Only three and games all back. The people. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just not. But Adam, like I told you, the back half of the schedule: Saints twice, Bucks twice, Kansas City. Those are five losses, probably. Maybe you squeak one out against the Saints. Sounds like a chance to pick up some uh, wins in the division. Yeah, well, that's one way to look at it. What do you think about all these people out there saying we should trade Matt and Julio now? I don't think it's realistic with their contracts. Yes, and there's a thing where there's dead cap, which I didn't realize what happens during trades. I knew if you cut a guy, there'd be dead cap, but I didn't know there would be dead cap. I I just didn't know that. I showed my ignorance there. So if we were to trade Matt and Julio, there would be, this year, no matter how many picks we got for them, there'd be like 90-plus million dollars against the cap. There'd be dead cap money for next season. Plus, you're talking about revenues being down this year with COVID, so that translates to an absolutely horrendous cap situation in 2021 for the Falcons. And then it gets even worse by having $90 million dead that you can't use. Jesus, God. You're talking uh, yeah, about Matt Schaub being your, Yeah, Matt, Matt Schaub's your quarterback for week one next year, if that's the case. 
Well, unless you draft Trevor Lawrence. We're, we're, we, we both know we're not going to – we're going to win too many games for that. If you trade Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, you will not, for sure. But the, 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 the sacrifice, the, the problem is that you won't be able to afford – probably even to sign Trevor Lawrence as a draft pick or the majority of your draft class because you'd be so fucked cap. It would be the most fucked up cap situation since me and Matt in 2005 and my franchise and after like six or seven fictional years in, in the Matt, my Madden franchise, I got my cap into such a bad situation that I literally couldn't start the season. <laughs> couldn't do it. That's how bad it was. No matter how many people I dropped and all this other shit, it was just like, you can't, we can't play. It's done. It's over. You got so no that, buddy, that's, that's what would happen to the Falcons. If if they traded away Matt and Julio this year, so it, it's not a. What if you? I mean, you could probably trade just Julio, right? That would still be like forty, thirty, or forty million dollars against the. That would be dead cap money. Yeah, so maybe re- maybe re-signing him two years before his deal came up was a mistake, then, huh? But he's got to be a Falcon for life, Adam. Just like I, t- our, I our, tell you what, man. We, we, Arthur having Blank him said. on the field clearly makes a massive difference. Like Who? Arthur Blank? Who? Uh, nah, I, nah. Know, I, was, I was kidding. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he uh, – and he looked good. He looked good. I uh, hope he's able to go this weekend. Yeah, we're going to cheer on the Falcons. We want him to do well. I mean, fuck it. Uh, I'm also interested to just to see if this team, you know – was last week an aberration, even though we're playing a horrible Vikings team, or can they continue the success? And maybe you won't be fully measured because you're also playing arguably an even shittier team in Detroit. But I don't know. About, the thing if about so, the Vikings, if someone can get the most out of these guys, that's that's a big fucking deal. I don't know. Shit. Let's let's see what happens. Yeah, the thing about those Vikings, like they took the Seahawks, who I think are now six and zero, like to the brink of defeat, like the week but that's, before. But that's that's almost like. Yeah, but they they've been horrible the whole year. They had one good game, yeah, well, so I I didn't put much stock into they're, that. They're kind of like us. They they got talent clearly, but something's not clicking. So yeah, l- let's see what we get this week. If they look like that two weeks in a go- in a row, then it's like okay. I mean, it's a pretty low bar. We were one and seven to start the year last year. If we could be two and five, that's looking pretty pretty money to me. That's a great oh, start, man. Yeah, great start. You know what the real frustrating part about this is? You can just, you just beat Chicago and Dallas, and you're in really good – you're not in a great spot, but you're in a decent spot. What are you, 3-3 three and three at this point? Yeah, and then we're like, oh, maybe this is a wild card team. I don't know. Yeah. Now it's just like, well, let's just hope they get to 2-5. and five. How funny would it be, Adam, if we get in the playoffs this year somehow going 7-9 and nine just because of the expanded playoffs, and we just get our asses kicked by, like, Seattle or something in the first round? I would take it. It's a playoff game, Bo. You take it. That's true. Sure. An Atlanta sports team is never going to have the number one overall pick again. Just deal with it. That's true. Like the, the, the freaking Hawks who should have had a top three pick the last two years were drafting like six this year. So just it is what it is. Like we're going to be just good enough to not be the worst team in the league. Yep. D- did you hear about Roddy White, who's apparently – I think his cousin or someone in Roddy White's family is the offensive coordinator for Clemson. And Roddy White was telling Trevor Lawrence, dude, if you, if the Jets have the number one overall pick, 
just go back to Clemson for another year. Like, you don't want to do that. I didn't see that. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Well, I kind of agree with them. Like, oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that at all. The Jets are a disaster. It's also talk that the Jets might trade that pick. Well, which would probably be good for them. Would you trade for Trevor Lawrence, Adam? Would you do it? At this point in time? Would you trade away, like, let's say, let's say you had to trade away two first round picks this year, your second round pick this year, your, your fourth round pick this year, then like two second round picks over the next like three years, like an eight, eight pick. Well, what was Julio? Julio was traded for like six or seven picks. So Lawrence as a quarterback will probably be traded for eight picks if he's traded. Would you make that move? Possibly probably. sabotaging the franchise. And then you still got Matt Ryan under contract though. Uh, yeah, that'd, that'd be rough. I don't know. I just want Trevor Lawrence to sit behind Matt Ryan for a year. That's what I want with my life. Yeah, that'd be certainly be nice. But then Brett we'd have Farm, no depth Aaron anywhere Rogers else. Kind of thing. So who knows? Yeah, I don't I think I could do that. We have so many you, holes on our team. Like, I don't know. Did, I wouldn't. I don't think I'd, I'd be man enough to pull the trigger on a trade like that. Did you see the Thomas Dimitrov interview with uh, Peter King? It was this week. I heard about it. What did he say? Well, the gist of it is like it, it was a, a little bit of him like adapting to like being the former Falcons GM and all of that. And I guess he was out like mountain biking this past week. And while he was like he was going one direction on a trail, and there were a couple bros coming the other direction. And they were they were just commenting on the Falcons score, the random bros, how they're like, Did you see the score of the Falcons versus the Vikings? Holy shit. And then they like see Thomas Dimitrov and recognize him as Thomas Dimitrov. <laughs> so he said that oh, was Jesus. a little that was a little uncomfortable. Um, I'm sure. But I mean it, it, it was a good interview. He he claimed he was like he was taken aback by it. He was not expecting to be fired at this time. And he was still kind of putting out a few of the Quinisms. How you know he gets it's all about winning, but this team could have turned it around. Blahzy blahzy blah. But then he he also recognized how basically Arthur Blank had to side with the fans, and if the fans the fans were obviously turning on the franchise, so he had to make a move. Was pretty much what Dimitrov was saying, but. Still supports them. He got asked about the Julio trade a little bit and how that was such a big turning point in his career. And I don't know. I mean, Dimitrov did some good things for us, Grant. We can't deny that. Like, Yeah. I mean, got you Matt Ryan, got you Julio Jones. He has presided over the winningest era in Falcons history. So that's nothing to sneeze at. More recently, those two O-linemen we drafted last year, I uh, saw Lindstrom like... And McGarry. Yeah, Pro Football Focus has them both ranked in like the top twenty-five offensive linemen. Yeah, in the NFL they're both right doing now. a good job. I think I think the biggest deficiency for Thomas is his inability to draft a good edge rusher. Like he has never drafted a good D end in yeah. the history of his career. So you look at all the teams in terms of yards allowed during Matt Ryan's career. Our two thousand eight team was ranked twenty fourth in yards allowed. Two thousand nine twenty first. Twenty ten sixteenth. Twenty eleven twelfth. 2012, 24th, 2013, 27th, 2014, 32nd, 2015, 16th, 
in yards allowed. There was only one team in Matt Ryan's career that had a top 10 defense in terms of yards allowed. So we've had horrible defenses for the most part throughout Matt Ryan's career, particularly in years when he's been good. 2012, when we got the NFC Championship, was 24th in yards allowed. Good Lord. Uh, the 2016 team that got to the Super Bowl was 25th. We've had bad defenses, man, our whole whole career. Or, or I mean, our, our whole Thomas Dimitrov, Matt Ryan era. Yeah. So, A lot of swings. That's a good point. A lot of swings and misses there. He actually finally found, it looks like, a couple of decent offensive linemen. Jake Matthews is also a decent offensive lineman. He signed Alex Mack. But he also whiffed on Peter Kant. So, I mean, like, He's just not a very good GM to me in terms of being able to get guys consistently that can be terrors in the trenches. We constantly finish the bottom of the league in sacks. Obviously, what I just read, we finish at the bottom of the league in total yards given up. And that starts up front, and Thomas is not a great evaluator of talent up there overall throughout the course of his career. And he's one of the chief reasons that we have underperformed, I feel like, because he is not done his job when it comes to the most important part of football, which is winning at the offensive line and defensive line. Had a good run, Thomas, but yeah, it's it's time. Let's get some fresh blood in here. I don't know yeah. what that looks like. I'm assuming they'll wait till the end of the year to do anything. Probably. Or if you bring someone on, it'll be like week 14 or something like that. Um, I hope it's a guy who, you know, either – a well-respected former player who has, you know, front office savvy and has maybe worked in a front office before or as a scout or something like that. Cause I like how Thomas was with the Patriots or, yeah, I, I, I don't want to see a guy who's been a GM and a bunch of different places that, you know, maybe hasn't had a lot of success before. Like I would hate to get, I don't know. I can't even think of a, a good example, but someone who's, like the uh, Marty Schottenheimer of, of general managers, who's you know has a couple of moments, but isn't like oh my god, Jesus, we got to get this guy. In. He's he's the future. He's gonna steer us in the right direction. I like someone who, like I said, young younger guy, analytic minded, is gonna come in here and shake things up. A, a and John Lynch type talent. God, yeah, John Lynch type. Yes. So in, yeah, in theory, the GM hire comes first. So then that, that guy can hire his coach as well, right? Right. And I think Smitty was hired before TD, if if memory serves. I huh. think that's how that worked, which is odd. I mean, I, I can't 100% say that, but I feel like I remember reading that somewhere. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I also hope that we get an offensive-minded coach as our head coach. We've tried with these two defensive guys – didn't work because our defenses have sucked, as I just said, throughout the Mike Smith and Dan Quinn era. Let's get an offensive-minded coach. Let's unleash our strength to its fullest potential. Do you want to bring Urban Meyer out of retirement? I don't know how he would translate the NFL. But if he can get you a championship, sure. <laughs> well, that's anybody. I if intern, if intern Jared can get us a championship, bring him in. That would be hilarious. I'd like to see him coach against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. <laughs> I get to see him be like, ah, you know, it, I can see him at a press conference. You know, it's, it's it's great for me because, you know, 
If the Patriots win, it's another Super Bowl for me as a fan. If, if the Falcons win, you know, I get my first Super Bowl. Yeah, either way, I'm good. You know, <laughs> or have to win. I'd like to win, but he'd be out of the sideline in one of those fifteen dollar Home Depot uh, recliner plastic chairs. Just yeah, he'd be chilling. wearing his Patriot sweatshirt too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> go get him, guys. Just do whatever. I don't care. He'd let Matt Ryan run yeah. the offense. That could be the best hire ever. Now, it might be the best decision you could possibly do. It's like, Matt, just do whatever you want out there. You, you, you know more about this game than me. Go get after it. <laughs> right. Matt Ryan would be able to uh, do the no huddle more. He'd be, he, like My ideal Matt Ryan offense would be the Shanahan mixed with the no huddle era Matt Ryan. Mix that up. You know, it could be like the greatest hybrid you could possibly imagine. All right, Jared. Jared's in the running. Jared's in the running for sure. Ugh, I'm still upset about the Braves had him. Now that we've talked about it. You know, when you go to therapy, I don't know what you, if you have a lot of therapy experience or any at all, but usually after you you talk about something, you feel worse before you start feeling better. Even if you felt bad coming in, you feel worse when you when you leave the office. That's kind of how I feel right now. Express some I, things I've been holding in, and now I'm just kind of like, ah, just got this sick feeling inside. I definitely needed to get this out. I don't think we even talked about the Braves on the disc golf course yesterday in person. So, no, we said we didn't say a goddamn word. <laughs> so, it was the, the unspoken the, truth. This was, this was good. I guess I don't know. We're gonna have to. Uh, we got to revamp the show now that there's no Braves. You well, know, we'll just talk about the Falcons, I guess. That's all there really is. Braves off season. Even the Atlanta Dream aren't playing right now. Well, the, we we have it. Of course, the Atlanta United are still playing, but ah, yeah. Hell, even Alexa we... stopped watching Atlanta United. <laughs> I mean, she'll, she'll peek her head into a game for a little bit, but she's not like as diehard as as she was. When they were good. Well, no one saw that coming, huh? <laughs> well, she's just one example. She's still paying attention. It's kind of like I think when you well, know. I'm not talking about her, and... her specifically, but we've been saying the whole oh, time. Yeah. It's a it's easy to cheer for a good team. Wait till the team sucks like the rest of your Atlanta sports teams. Then then we'll we'll see how how much interest is right. on it. Like when the Braves were going through the rebuild in twenty whatever fifteen through seventeen. I'll, I mean, I didn't watch all the games. I, mean, the, I watched uh, a decent amount, but I wasn't like it was an appointment viewing like it is when we're you know competing for pennants and shit. Yeah. So. The Adonis Garcia years. God, we got so long to go till pitchers and catchers report. Yeah, you know yeah, that not that really. long. Three months. Three months. Ain't few months. Shit. Yeah. Yeah, we can get through that. We'll be Start talking about rodeo. GM meetings, GM virtual Zoom meetings, I suppose. I would love if, like, the day after the World Series, like, huge announcement. Brave sign Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna, and Justin Turner to multi-year deals. I just, like, I might just uh, buy season tickets at that point. You know what? Or run run through the city naked. But all the teams that always do that suck. Like, that was the Padres, and they blew it. I'm, I'm a, I'm a sure. big believer in winning uh, with your homegrown talent. Sign, making the big splashy, like make one good free agent signing, but when is a team that has like wins the offseason ever wins the World Series? It doesn't happen. Well, the Dodgers might this year. We'll see. 
They didn't win the offseason. I mean, they signed Mookie Betts. They got Betts. Mookie Betts. Yeah, that's winning the offseason, man. That's like MVP player every year. Well, yeah, well, that's one player. Yeah, it's one. That's like the top five player in baseball. But you, I'm, you I'm talking like, like what the Padres did at the trade deadline this year. Everyone was all over the Padres, and then they don't do anything. Yeah, I mean, they got to the playoffs. Got swept out by the Dodgers. True. Their pitching also fell apart. Did we get swept by the Dodgers, Graham? No. We took the Dodgers to the brink. But would you would you have rather we got swept by the Dodgers? No, I'd rather go on this run. Because it was so much fun in game one and two just freaking out whenever the Braves did something. Like it was so it was the most fun I've had watching sports since the Falcons Super Bowl run. My my um, goal it was, it, it was it was just it was bliss. Yeah, at it was, times. It was, it was a blast. Well. I would I would wake up every morning getting ready for work and put on the Talking Chop podcast to hear Brad Rollins recap from the night before. It was a good time. But now now my goal yeah. for the next week or two is to change all of my Google and YouTube algorithms to stop pushing me towards like MLB tonight and all this like you know, national sports news. I don't want that in my life anymore. I gotta get. Oh yeah. Gotta reel, I gotta reel it back in, Graham. I got. I got a little too I loose. Hit, and I, f- a little too loose and free with my googling. Same. I, I hit this. I have had to hit the snooze thing on uh, Facebook for all this stuff for like MLB on Fox, MLB like just Major League Baseball's Facebook. Every anything that's related to MLB, I just which I've liked a, a ton of stuff on Facebook over the years. Unfortunately, it's just been like snooze, 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 snooze for 30 days. Just, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to see it. I don't want to know nothing. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, it's going to be a, uh, an adjustment for all of us, but this doesn't feel as depressed as our show last year after the break season. ends. No, so. I think is because we, we went on a run, we went on a run. It was still kind of a similar ending in the sense of blowing a lead and having multiple elimination games to finish your opponent and not doing it. But you feel a little bit better about this one because the team you were facing was so good. Like last year with the Cardinals, there was no excuse for what we did. Even though Freddie was fucked up, it was still like we were a much better team than the Cardinals. There was no reason for us to lose. Whereas with the Dodgers, they ain't dead till they're till you till you kill them, and we couldn't kill them. So I mean that, that that's uh, that's an unstoppable force that you just have to like the way that Braves played game one two and four is the only way to beat the Dodgers where your pitching is just unstoppable and your offense is matching it like they have both sides of the of the baseball or excuse me both sides of your team your pitching and your offense have to be perfect. And you can't give the Dodgers extra opportunities. You can't give them extra strikes. You cannot give them anything. You have to play perfect baseball. That's the only way to beat them. And we were not able to do that a fourth time, unfortunately. I really wished that MLB had made some bullshit rule for the NLCS this year. That was a five-game series instead. I was thinking about that when we won game five. I was like, oh, man. Now we have to win one more. Jesus Christ. I wish that we had a couple off days in there, but yeah, the Dodgers won with the rules that were in place. So, yep, I'm all depressed did. again, Graham. I'm all depressed. That's what happens, man. We just had our therapy session. Now we're about to leave, and you know, we'll we'll feel worse now, but we'll feel better in the morning. 
That's how these things work. I hope so. Most of the time. Well. That's that's all she wrote. Is that going to wrap us up, Graham? I believe so. Well, folks, hope you're staying safe out there, and we'll get through this offseason together. We'll, we will be covering all the hot stove shit, wear meetings, etc. In the meantime, we've got some sh- uh, shitty football team to watch as well, so hopefully that can entertain us a little bit. And maybe they can prove that they're not quite as shitty as we think they are. But until next time, rise up, chop on, stay in brotherhood, unite and conquer, believe in blue land, mix it up, and remain true to Atlanta. Thank you for listening. Hospitality. <laughs> Remember when Julio mixed it up before the game seven? Oh, yeah. He's doing like every college touchdown. I was like, yeah, Julio mixed it up. Oh, no. So depressed. Hospitality.
Ain't no words that need to be said 